I am overwhelmed with gratitude to be invited into your association today. I truly feel completely in my spiritual home when I am among the loving friends and followers of His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. In every way, Srila Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj was an extraordinary person. His life and his legacy, when I meditate upon it, I feel so insignificant and truly unqualified for the kindness that he bestowed upon me. He was a person who lived, who breathed in a spirit of devotion and compassion. He was fearless. And that fearlessness was an expression of his love. For some, to be courageous is 
a psychological way of expressing various forms of egoism. But in a spiritual sense, Abhaya Charanaravindare, fearlessness is springing from one's love and one's trust in the Lord of our heart. Bhakti Tirta Maharaj, you all know so well his background. He was throughout his life discriminated against. He knew what it was like being a minority, where people's egos judged you. And he was seeking. He was seeking a essential truth in his spiritual life where he could transform people's hearts, both the aggressors and those who were being victimized. When he came to Srila Prabhupada, after being a civil rights leader, involved in so many social um, outreach activities, being a scholar, when he came to Srila Prabhupada, he was truly seeking the essence to share it with the world. He understood Srila Prabhupada's teachings in such a deep and profound way. It's hard to understand for people how, how much he was self-realized in Krishna consciousness. In the very beginning of his interactions with ISKCON, he experienced egoism, racism against him outside of our movement and to some extent even within. Because in any religion or any spiritual movement, you know, unless one is very advanced in seeking the essence, then the baggage, the anartas or unwanted characteristics, we carry it with us. Just like Srila Prabhupada, he said that when someone is in the shower, they may be dirty, but at least they're getting clean. So he was explaining when a person becomes a devotee, they, they may still, and they obviously still will have much of the dirt that they had before, but they're in the process of becoming clean. But one has to be sincere to recognize 
what we need to clean. When, when Srila Bhakti Tirta Maharaj expressed this to Srila Prabhupada, that you're teaching that we're not this body. You're teaching that we're all spirit souls. Pandita Samadarshana. This is the basic teaching of Bhagavad Gita. And it's what Srila Prabhupada so predominantly emphasized. The sacredness of life wherever it exists that everyone is a child of the same God. But due to the bodily conception of life, we see others with the bodily conception of life and so much conflict takes place. He came to our movement to transcend that. But he saw often it was happening even within our movement. But he understood Srila Prabhupada's teachings. He understood the spirit of compassion that the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita teaches. His faith only grew deeper and deeper. Even in the face of these very, very difficult and embarrassing situations. And Srila Prabhupada, out of his great mercy, he lit up the heart of Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. And essentially taught him where there's darkness, we can't dispel it with darkness, we have to dispel it with light. His compassion was the basis of his extraordinary determination. Um, when the scriptures say you cannot imitate great Vaishnavas, um, Bhakti Tirta Swami is such a great Vaishnava. His determination to go deeper and deeper into bhakti and to share it with others, his determination to please his guru and Krishna, nothing could stop it. Practically, his sadhana, his way of living, eating, sleeping, it was beyond people's ability to really connect to. It was like one of the Goswamis of Brindavan. When Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami was with the library party, at a certain time, you know, he, from the very beginning, he was number one. There were great empowered devotees who were his comrades in the service, but he excelled in every way. And eventually he was sent from America to Europe, and then behind the Iron Curtain in the communist countries, 
of Eastern Europe and Russia, where what he was doing, going to universities and selling religious books, was not only illegal, but it was dangerous. He would be chanting 32 rounds a day. He would be the last one to go to sleep. He'd get up before two in the morning. He practically ate nothing. He had such an austere diet, such an austere lifestyle. And where he was preaching, it, it had to be completely underground. And yet, in those parts of the world, there were hardly anybody of African descent. So in every way, he stood out. But still, he was going to places, such adventures. And he was writing every day for so many years. He would write a letter to Srila Prabhupada, expressing the condition of his heart and begging for mercy, begging for empowerment. No matter what he did every day, at the end of the day, he totally humbled himself before his guru and begged for mercy. That's just who he was. So deeply humble and grateful. But yet when he was in the field of service, he was totally transcendental. He didn't have time for eating, for sleeping. He didn't have time to talk about any worldly topics. He was focused. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna describes this wonderful quality that Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj, he personified. That one who is on this path is resolute in purpose and their aim is one. He was not distracted. And he would write letters for Srila Prabhupada's pleasure describing his pastimes, the wonderful things he was doing, how he was going through forests and he was climbing mountains and he was sleeping on trains moving all night because he had no place to be and how KGBs were chasing after him to arrest him and possibly kill him. He never gave up. He would just take it as, a, as an adventure for Krishna and carry on with even more enthusiasm the next day. For most of us, if we had such an encounter with possible imprisonment, torture, or death, we wouldn't be so enthusiastic to go out the next day. He would escape and with even more enthusiasm be there. 
And when he would write these stories for Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada was so happy. Actually, Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj, he told me, I believe it was 1976, in Mayapur, during the um, festival of Gaur Purnima. Devotees from all over the world would come to gather to be with Srila Prabhupada. And members of the library party were discussing among themselves how difficult it was to be in a party with Ganasham, which was Bhakti Tirta Swami's given name by Srila Prabhupada, Ganasham Prabhu, because it was it was discouraging. None of them could be like him. The way he ate, the way he slept, the quality of his sadhana, the fearlessness of, of, of how he went out and served. It was, everyone felt insignificant and discouraged. And some were even thinking of um, resigning from the party because they were useless in his presence. And others just didn't want to go out with him because they couldn't keep up with him. They were talking among themselves like this. Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj told me this story. When he heard what they were speaking, it created a change in his mind and in his heart. He realized that he was so enthusiastic, so determined to reach people's hearts and to please Srila Prabhupada that he wasn't recognizing that the effect was discouraging other devotees. For most people, we would think, why are these people envious? Or I have to go on with my service no matter what. But he was seeing it as a sign from Krishna, a sign from Srila Prabhupada. that his most important service was to encourage, empower, and uplift other devotees. And from that time, he told me, this became his primary focus in devotional service. Devotee care in the true sense to be the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. Because he understood in his heart, this is what will please Srila Prabhupada and his beloved Lord Sri Krishna the most. When he, the next year came to 
London to visit Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada called him into his room at Bhaktivedanta Manor. Out of all the thousands of devotees in the world, Srila Prabhupada called Ganesham Prabhu to his room because he was so grateful for Ganesham Prabhu's devotional service. His fearless, creative, brilliant, and successful distribution of his books. It resounded throughout Iskand what took place in that room. Srila Prabhupada crying in gratitude and affection embraced Ganeshan Prabhu and thanked him. He thanked Prabhupada thanked Bhakti Tirtha Swami from the core of his heart. He thanked him and said, your life is perfect. Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj took that blessing with such humility. He understood that the more one is given, the more one is expected to serve. And that's just what he did. After Srila Prabhupada departed from this world, Srila Bhakti Tirtha Swami, his compassion for the suffering of both devotees and people of all classes within this world was quite historical. He was reaching scholars, professors, authors. He was reaching influential politicians, entertainers, while at the same time putting so much of his energy in the inner city ghettos, where he understood how people who really hardly had a chance in their life, how they needed this connection to God. In his compassion, he found, discovered, creative ways of reaching people. Srila Prabhupada writes that a true giver of Krishna consciousness or a preacher understands Kaladesha Patra, the time, place, and the situation. For anyone who actually knew Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj or read books like The Reflections of Sacred Teachings, he had such a deep grasp of Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Bhagavad Gita, 
he had such a taste for the pastimes of Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan, for the writings of the Acharyas like Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur and the Six Goswamis. At the same time, to reach out to the people of the world, he presented himself in such a way that was relevant to them, relevant to their status in society, relevant to their sufferings. Why? Because he felt for their sufferings. Some things he may have done were criticized for being apparently very unorthodox in the way he tried to somehow connect to people's minds and hearts and lives. But inside, he had such a deep traditional, we may even say orthodox, experience, realization, and connection to Krishna and our, and our disciplic succession. But he understood Srila Prabhupada's mission to present this as it is to the people of the world. And there were hundreds, thousands of devotees trying to serve this great mission of Lord Chaitanya of Iskand. But he saw the unique role he could play in having a deep effect on people that we were not connecting to. Sometimes he dressed ways, sometimes he spoke in ways, sometimes he wrote in ways to actually connect to people's minds and hearts. Because he wanted to give them something pure and beautiful. He wanted to give them bhakti. And the most wonderful thing is he did it. He reached them. The legacy of Srila Bhakti Tirtha Swami is a legacy of how compassion can be expressed. His, the foundation of his life was so deeply rooted in love for Krishna and love for Srila Prabhupada, his guru, and faithfulness to the guru parampara. When he was sent to Africa, there was practically nothing there. In Western Africa, I don't know if any other devotees had ever gone there before. How difficult that was. Sometimes he would share with me the dangers of disease and life-threatening situations that were there every day for him, especially in those beginning days. But from nothing, just by his compassion, he would reach people in such a way in the cities, 
in the jungles, tribal villages. He saw the beauty of their souls, just like he saw everywhere else in the world. He saw the beauty of everyone's soul wherever he was. And when he would smile, when his eyes would twinkle, and he would speak the truth with so much enthusiasm, people recognized this person cares. Soon there were dozens and dozens of temples, hundreds and hundreds of devotees, farm communities, schools, and he did it himself. He traveled. Besides, perhaps, His Holiness Srila Jai Patak Swami Maharaj, he was traveling more than anyone. South America, so many countries, in Russia, in Eastern Europe, in Europe, in India, in America. He would lead kirtans, he would dance. He would preach, he would speak. And that determination, that enthusiasm, that electrifying magnetism was an expression of the joy he was feeling, giving compassion, giving Srila Prabhupada and Krishna's compassion to other people. It broke his heart to see people suffering. And especially when he saw devotees were suffering. Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj prayed. He prayed in his letters to Srila Prabhupada and prayed in his heart of heart to be an instrument to alleviate that suffering and make people happy in Krishna consciousness. How can people who've dedicated their lives to the service of my guru, Srila Prabhupada, be suffering? This should not be. This was his mood. There are issues of the mind. There are issues of one's conditionings in this world that affect people. Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj did not judge anyone the way almost everyone in this world, anyone who has a false ego has a propensity to judge people. He didn't judge people. He felt for people. If someone was having difficulty, even if he did not agree with someone, he cared about them and wanted to make sure that they were respected and had, and had the right to love God. And I saw this. Certain types of minority um, conditions that people were in, 
he stood up so strong so that the, the female Vaishnavis of our movement had every right to be respected, honored, and flourish in their Krishna consciousness. The people of color, people of minority backgrounds, he felt for their sufferings. He felt for the, for the conditions that they were in. He knew it. He gave his life, his soul, his everything to give them, to give everyone the encouragement, the empowerment, and the love that would lift them up above all the, the pains of this world. Bhakti Tirtha Swami, his enthusiasm, his determination was unstoppable in everything he did. When he would be giving a lecture, I remember seeing him in so many places, it was electrifying. It was with so much soul and heart and enthusiasm. It was like nobody ever heard before practically. When he would dance in kirtan, it wasn't just a dance. It was his love, his gratitude, just animating his body in such incredible ways, unstoppable. And when he saw devotees with difficulties, how many hours he would spend with them. And how many courageous acts he would perform to somehow or other protect the Vaishnavas. He cared so much. At a certain stage, he was praying to Krishna that the sufferings and the karmas that the people of the world and especially the devotees were experiencing, let them all come upon me so that they could be happy with Krishna. How many people can honestly and genuinely offer that prayer? But that was his prayer because that's how much he cared about all of us. At a certain time when I was living in India and I would come back to America, um, I would come to Washington, D.C. for several days, especially and exclusively for the purpose of just being with His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. And just the two of us, we would, we would walk and we would talk. We would honor Prasad together and talk. 
we'd lay on our left sides together and talk. Then we'd go out and walk and we would talk and we would sit and we would talk. And I remember at that time he would put two little cloth sheets on the floor for sleeping at night. And he would, he would lay on one sheet and I would lay on the other. And we would talk practically through the whole night. And then when it was time for Mangalarti, we would dance together. When I think back of those days, I'm feeling so humbled that why was he so kind to me? Such a truly exalted person who was so much appreciated and glorified by our guru, Srila Prabhupada, who was such an intellectual, such a charismatic, dynamic person in every way, and such a true compassionate saint. Why he gave me so much time. Why he revealed his heart and allowed me to reveal my heart. It was his causeless mercy. It was the same type of causeless mercy he gave to thousands of people in this world. It's just who he was. A person who could be so great, so accomplished, with such skills, and yet to be so concerned with the well-being of others that he's willing to risk his life and even give his life for the well-being of others. That's a Vaishnava in the true sense. And that is His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. And today in this conference that we're having, um, I'm looking and seeing such beloved people who were deeply touched to the core of their hearts with the love, with the compassion, with the sincerity of Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. People who are every day being transformed by his compassion by his Krishna consciousness. Srila Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj loved to hear the pastimes of Krishna. He loved to hear the wonderful, sweet narrations of Vrindavan. He loved to hear the stories of Lord Chaitanya Krishna in the mood of Sri Radha giving mercy to the world. In Prabhupada's spirit, he took that 
treasure of Brindavan. It was something so real for him, something so deep and priceless. He wanted to share it. And he was willing to do in such a way that somehow or other, whether it was through the medium of describing spaceships and UFOs, somehow or other, for every type of person, he wanted to connect with them and gradually bring them to that most beautiful gift that Lord Chaitanya has given us. He lived for us and he departed from this world for us. His legacy was so much according to his desire to create Vaishnav culture within community. He personified it in such a way that we cannot calculate or imitate. But for those who want to please him, who want to reciprocate truly, we do need to follow in his footsteps. I saw throughout the years his devotion to Srila Prabhupada's movement. He considered Iskand to be Srila Prabhupada's contribution to the whole Guru Parampara, something that Srila Prabhupada gave his heart and his soul and his life to establish for the wealth, for the spiritual well being of the world. And Srila Prabhupada had to deal with so many problems, both within and without. And whatever may have happened from either within or without, he was so faithful, so loyal, because he was always looking at the essence of what Srila Prabhupada was giving us and what Srila Prabhupada would want. And even though at times he was misunderstood, he was criticized, there were decisions that were wrong that were made about him, I can't say it didn't hurt because it does when our own loving family acts in these ways but he was always everyone's well-wisher, totally faithful and loyal to the essence of the community of Srila Prabhupada's movement. He was always rising above the disputes because from the very beginning, Srila Prabhupada taught him that. 
that whatever may happen, our purpose and our goal is to love Krishna and be a be a instrument of Krishna's love. And for Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj, he was fearless, he was courageous in his dealing with his preaching to the outside world, and he was just as fearless and courageous in serving and protecting the rights of the devotees within our movement. He came to Gita Nagari at the last stage of his life. And he, he told me that one of the reasons he chose Gita Nagari as the place for his final pastimes was that he wanted the devotees within our movement to truly have faith that Srila Prabhupada's projects were holy places. That being in a place that Srila Prabhupada loved with people who love Srila Prabhupada is Brindavan. And Srila Prabhupada spoke that way on many occasions. He wanted devotional communities. He lived for the purpose more and more in his life to actually encourage, inspire, and empower devotees to form communities. And it's not easy. When Srila Prabhupada was in his last days, he said, you can show your love for me by how you cooperate together to carry on this great mission. Bhakti Tirtha Swami personified that, and surely that, that's what he gave his heart and life to and how he showed his love for Srila Prabhupada in this way. And how he was trying to teach each and every one of us to show our love for him and for Srila Prabhupada in this way. Every devotee, whatever our differences, whatever our faults, Bhakti Tirta Swami was like a thunderbolt against abuse to innocent devotees. He was like Lord Chaitanya explained about Narasimha Dev, the mother lion is ferocious for anyone who tries to hurt her cub, but she's most loving and gentle to her cubs. Bhakti Tirta Maharaj, he was really a protector of the Vaishnavas. And 
he lived and he left this world in that spirit. I remember at Kitanagari, at his bedside, we would just talk about Krishna and we would talk about Lord Chaitanya and we would speak about Srila Prabhupada. And with this mood, we would speak about the problems that were going on in the world and the problems that were going on within our own movement and how deeply he was affected by these things. Not in a way that he became depressed, but he became on fire to make changes. And he was even like that in his last days. And for so many hours, sometimes he would speak about his past, his childhood, all from the perspective of how it all led to this singular purpose in his life, to love Krishna, to please Krishna, and to share Krishna. When he was in those days, I remember sometimes he was so eager to go to Krishna. He would tell me things that are very private. He knew where he was going. He knew who he was and where he was going. He was just waiting for the door to open. And I remember, I think it was on Lord Narasingadev's appearance day, he went to the temple to, to give a talk and to, to, to lead kirtan. And he was in such a state of health that it was impossible, but still he went. And so many of his loving God brothers, many sannyasis were there. And so many of his loving friends and followers. And he turned to me just before the kirtan. He said, wouldn't, he said, won't it be auspicious if I give up my body chanting in front of Radha, Radha Damodar with all the devotees around me leading the kirtan under Singha Chaturdasi? And I didn't know what to say. I just shook my head. And he, many of you were there. The kirtan he sang, it was so intense. It was so focused. It was so filled with devotion. He was chanting in, in the presence of all of us in such a way that he was just giving his, his body, his mind, his, his very life to Srila Prabhupada and Krishna and Sri Radha. 
And he chanted for a long time. And he turned to me and said, I guess Krishna doesn't want to take me today. <laughs> um, another time he was doing his Nirjan Bhajan. He proclaimed that he doesn't want to see anyone except his immediate caretakers because he wants to exclusively focus his full energy on remembering Krishna with no distractions. Because for so many years throughout his devotional life, he was, he was dealing with people's problems. He was giving, he was giving, and he was just giving in every way with such concern. And even I, when he was laying in his bed at Gita Nagari, so many people would come and he would be giving and giving and giving. He wanted to focus on Krishna totally. And we all know that beautiful story where in the mood of Vasudev Datta, he was praying, let all the sufferings of all the devotees come to me so that they could be happy serving Srila Prabhupada and Krishna together. He actually prayed like that. And one day I told him, today is the I believe it was the disappearance day of Mukunda Dutt, who's the brother of Vasudev Dutt. And when I said that, his face lit up. He was laying in his bed. He said, Vasudev Dutt, this will be a good day to go. And he invited all the devotees in the community to come to his room for kirtan. And for hours, everyone was chanting. And then he, he asked everyone to go. And he turned to me and he said, I guess Krishna doesn't want me to go today. He was ready to go anytime. He was just there for the devotees and for Krishna in every way. Yes, His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami, his life and his legacy was a life of legacy of the sacrifice for the well-being of others from the love and from the compassion that he had in his heart. He had such a special connection to Brindaban and he wanted to give everyone that connection. For the disciples and followers of His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj, He gave you, or let us say He gave us, a legacy that's very high, very profound, and almost unreachable. But let it be our very life and soul that we strive to follow in his footsteps. We strive to value those principles, those virtues that he valued so deeply.
I believe that if Srila Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj was physically with us today, he would emphasize so much what he emphasized when he was with us years ago. He wants us to be united with true care for one another, to create a community that will attract the world to pure love for Krishna. Whenever I'm with those who love Bhaktitirtha Swami Maharaj, I feel his blessings. I feel his kindness and his love. And I truly feel I'm home. Thank you very much. Srila Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj Ki Jai. Thank you very much, Maharaj, for wonderful, wonderful reflections. <laughs> you brought us back. <laughs> brought us back many to many, many different spaces and definitely reflecting on how he would want us to view the world today and being united to create a community that would attract, that attracts, uh, you know, world of, for pure love of Krishna is definitely, that was going to be my first question, Maharaj. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, we're going to jump into questions now. All right, so what is your favorite memory, favorite qualities, and most important lesson that you feel like you've learned from Maharaj? How to be completely absorbed in pleasing Krishna. When he would lead kirtan, he was completely absorbed in pleasing Krishna. When he would dance, when he would sing, when he would speak, when he would interact with each of us, he was absorbed. He was so deeply absorbed. And he adjusted himself in such a way that he could bring out the Krishna consciousness in our hearts. Just, there's so many memories I can try to excavate from within my heart and mind. Um, Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj, he, he was the dearest friend I ever had because he gave me so much love, so much kindness, and such an incredible example of devotion. And although he, he is so incredibly exalted in who he was and what he accomplished, Still, he would come down to my little platform, my insignificant self, and make me feel so loved. 
so sheltered in his association. And I'm still feeling that. And I feel that whenever I'm with those who love him. And I thank you for that. I don't remember your question, but that's my answer. <laughs> well, you answered it wonderfully, perfectly. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Maharaj. Um, can you please tell us about uh, the important, uh, can you tell me how important Bhaktichirtha Swami is, uh, academic preaching, and what to do with Bhaktichirtha uh, Maharaj? Uh, sorry, this I should have written this, uh, revised this one. So what do you think Bhakti Chirta Swami would suggest for us in terms of service? So how do you academically preach? And then what would he suggest us to do regarding service? Um, I have been saying throughout this talk today that primary service that we could all do, that he puts so much emphasis on, is developing communities, which means developed Vaishnav culture in the way devotees interact with each other. And for some devotees, they have the capacity and the nature to do academic preaching. Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj could practically do anything as far as I could see. He could do such eloquent academic preaching. He could fascinate heads of state by his demeanor, his character, and his words. And at the same time, you know, people who were downtrodden, who had no education whatsoever, little children, people who were in very complex karmic conditions in life, even they would feel he was their best friend. Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj um, put together a team of devotees to take his to transcribe his lectures and publish books. And he was very grateful and very enlivened by that because he knew in his heart that it would be very dear to Srila Prabhupada for these books whether they be books for devotees or books for various sectors of the secular society. So I think it would be very nice for, as a community of the devotees, to, to really focus energies on publishing more books in the name of His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj. And in my own small way, um, I wrote a book myself, The Journey Home, and later The Journey Within. 
And the seed of that was the order of Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj to do that. So together, let us all try to um, keep the the words, the spirit, and the legacy of Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj very much alive through our interactions with our with each other, through publishing his books, through developing his communities, and through our deep loyalty through all situations to the mission that he dedicated his life to. Thank you, Maharaj. All right, our next question. How do we stop judging others when they are just reflecting our own bad qualities? The very purpose of human life is tapasya. Tapasya means to accept what is favorable for devotional service and to reject what is unfavorable. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he taught us that we, we need to perform the austerity of restraining our propensities to criticize others. Rupa Goswami tells in the Upadesha Amrita that the nature of a true devotee is that devotee has not even a propensity to criticize others. And I saw with Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj, and uh, it, it brings me to tears just to think about it. Sometimes people were so harsh and saying such wrong things against him. but he was forgiving them. He would go on with his service and forgive them. If someone was abusing another devotee, he would be like a thunderbolt to protect that devotee. But when people were mistreating him, he would carry on with his service and forgive them. He didn't criticize others except when it was truly beneficial for that person or for the world. So we do have a propensity to criticize and find fault with others, but we should understand that this is my problem. It's not that person's problem, it's my problem. And Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Sri Chaitanya Bhagavat, he gave a very, very simple but profound formula. He said, if you want to attain the perfection of liberation of love for Krishna, just do two things. Chant the names of Krishna and do not find faults with others. How difficult that is. But just because we have that propensity is not 
a rationale or justification to act by it. Lord Chaitanya taught, with the same tongue that we're criticizing others, we should actually appreciate others. That's the path to liberation. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Maharaj. All right, our next question is, how can we keep the mood of seeking the essence in times of great difficulty, just like Bhaktichirta Swami Maharaj did? Bhaktichirta Swami Maharaj had such a real and deep connection with his Guru Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada. And through Srila Prabhupada, all of our previous acharyas. But at the same time, he was very eager to associate with his peers. Where the six loving exchanges that Rupa Goswami taught could be shared. So it, it, it is very important that we have good association, uplifting association, empowering association with those who actually inspire us to come to that higher level. We need to seek out to be with such people. We need advanced devotees association to uplift us. And we need the association of peers to uplift us. And we need to be uplifted even by our juniors. We become uplifted by them when we try to uplift them. That's how Krishna reciprocates. At the same time, we have Srila Prabhupada's books. And in our family, we have Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj's books. He's given us those books so that we could be with him through thick, through thin, through good times and bad times, through sunny and stormy days. The series of the beggar. He's showing us how to cry out for mercy in every situation. And in crying out for that mercy, Krishna reciprocates and gives us shelter. We need shelter from our own anartas, from our own bad qualities, and from all the different challenges that are around us in the world today. And there are so many. In his books, in his life, he's taught us how to be instruments of positive change. With Krishna in the center, wherever we are, in whatever situation, to not get depressed, to not give up hope. If, even if we do, even if we do become depressed, and even if we do give up hope, to know where we could find our hope and to, to go in that direction with eagerness. And even if we are depressed, to go to that place and to those people where we can find shelter.
that is Krishna consciousness. Thank you. Continuing along the lines of what we were talking about, uh, what would Bhaktichirtha Swami's response be to the current global crisis in health, racism, and the economy? Health. Bhaktichirtha Maharaj's example, he did everything he could to restore his health. Um, when he was diagnosed with cancer, um, he understood his body belonged to Krishna. His body belonged to Srila Prabhupada. And essentially, he felt his body belonged to all his disciples to all his well-wishers. His body belonged to the people of the world. And he was meant to be an instrument to give, to give hope, to give faith, to give love of Krishna, love of God. So he did everything possible. He had surgeries, he had treatments, natural treatments, alternative treatments, allopathic treatments. So he taught us by his example that we should do everything within our human powers to um, make our body fit to serve. And when ultimately which is inevitable for all of us. It wasn't possible anymore to, rest to restore that body. He taught us how to take shelter of Krishna completely in that situation and how to give shelter to Krishna to others in that situation. So health for his disciples, your bodies belong to Bhakti Tirta Swami and Srila Prabhupada. So protect them and keep them healthy for, for his sake. When we surrender to someone, that means our body, our mind, our words belong to that person. We cannot be negligent or whimsical. As far as the racism, Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj was an activist. He was a leader of the civil rights movement. He felt the pangs, the sufferings of people who were being um, abused, mistreated, and discriminated against. He experienced it his whole life. But how did he translate it? He translated those experiences he had in his youth and throughout as a way to better understand how to help others in that situation. 
So yes, on a physical level, on an emotional level, we should be activists for human rights. But Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj in his own life, he discovered that the deepest and most critical way of doing this is spiritual. To help people to understand that we're not this body. Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj he would defend devotees within our movement, devote people outside of our movement. He would defend the rights of people who were being discriminated against. I saw this many times with my own eyes. He would stand up courageously. But at the same time, he was always aiming his compassion toward the awakening of the eternal soul, because that's the only true solution. The economic problems of the world, Bhakti Tirtha Swami, through his books, through his lectures, through his seminars on leadership, he always emphasized character values and character. Just today, I was listening to a recording of Srila Prabhupada. He was so strong. And he was, he was speaking to devotees, what a Vaishnav actually is. And he was talking about people who chant, people who have the robes and the garbs of devotees, but they don't have good character. He was saying, this is not Krishna consciousness. We must perform our sadhana, we must perform our services, but we must have Vaishnav character, the character of respect, the character of compassion, the character of striving to see every living being as Krishna's child. The problem with the economy of the world is so much based on arrogance and greed. His books, his words, his life were to actually inspire people in the value of living with character in whatever position we are in in our, in, in our society. Does that answer the question, Jitisaki Devi? Yes, definitely, definitely. Thank you very much. Kind of continuing along those lines, given that you've had so much experience with Maharaj, how did you observe him, experience, and deal with the criticism that he faced within the movement? It hurt him. It hurt him not so much because it was about him, 
but because so much of that criticism was so shallow and unfounded, it hurt him that people in our society, especially people with influential roles in our society, were speaking and behaving that way. It hurt him to see that condition. And it hurt him to feel that if they're doing this to me, then what to speak of more common, ordinary devotees when it's done to them? I have so much support, but there's devotees who don't have hardly any support. When the same um, energy goes to these other people, they'll be crushed. So he was hurt by the principle in a very personal way of, of criticisms, unfounded criticisms, abusive behavior, behavior. And on a personal level, he would forgive. On a personal level, he would speak out to defend others. But it hurt him to see devotees behaving this way. And it hurt him to see devotees being affected by such behaviors. Pratalila and Ekavir, I see you there. Would you like to speak something about this? Please, let us make this interactive. Hare Krishna Maharaj, we are here to We are here, Maharaj, to hear from you. This is our hankering to hear from you. All of us. <laughs> <laughs> what if, as my grandmother used to say, whatever makes you happy makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to continue with the line of questioning. <laughs> um, where do we begin our journey in becoming instruments of compassion? <laughs> I hearing from and following in the footsteps of those who are instruments of compassion and those who are honestly striving to be instruments of compassion. Thank you. All right. Well, can you please tell us some pastimes about Bhaktichirtha Swami when he was dancing in Kirtan during his sannyas initiation. Was this 1979? Prajalila Devi, Ekavir Prabhu? I believe it was around 1979 and it was in New Vrindavan community, in, in an old farmhouse that was transformed into a temple 
in a place called Bahulaban. And Sri Sri Radha Vrindavan Chandra were installed in the center of the altar, and Jagannath Baladev Subhadra was to their left, and Gornitai was to their right. And the temple room was built by the devotees adjoined, ad adjacent to this old farmhouse. And Srila Prabhupada came there and gave classes on three different occasions. He, he, he Prabhupada visited Nubrindavan, I believe, four times. And three of those four times, he gave all of his classes in that temple room. So very, very special place. And Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj, when it was time for his taking the vows of sannyas, part of the ceremony, because he was dressed as a brahmachari, he came into that temple room as Ganasham Das Brahmachari, dressed with a dhoti. And at a certain place, he was asked to go into another room and put on the robes of a sannyasi. Now, the problem is the only person who ever put on sannyasi robes in the whole temple was the was the person giving him the initiation. So he was on his asana. So he went back and some other devotees were speculating on how to put on a sannyasi lungi because it's different than a brahmachari dhoti. So he put it on and he came back into the temple and he was given as Danda, and he was given the name Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. And he, he was just so completely effulgent with his enthusiasm and dedication to Lord Chaitanya and Srila Prabhupada's mission. It was incredible. He was like a volcano erupting with devotion. And afterward, there was a kirtan. And, a, and, um, and he was holding his danda for the first time. And many of you have seen him dance with his danda. Well, this was the first time he was ever holding a danda. And he was holding that danda and he was dancing. And I there may have been a microphone that he was holding. He was leading the kirtan, if I remember right. He was leading the kirtan, and he was dancing so ecstatically. Um, how can I even describe it? His, every cellular particle of his body was totally activated by the holy name. He was dancing and dancing and he was making, and everyone was inspired to dance and dance. And in this kirtan, at a certain point, he leapt, he, he leaped into the air in front of the deities. And at this time, most all the community was in a circle around him. 
there was like various a circle and then a circle around that circle and a circle around that circle and a circle around that circle because he was dancing so enthusiastically and he just he was the one who just took sannyas and everybody was watching and the deities were watching and when he leapt into the air his dhoti slipped off onto the floor and he was way up in the sky and he, everybody kind of turned away they were embarrassed <laughs> at the same time he was holding a microphone and holding his danda so what to do I don't remember if the microphone was there so you know devotees kind of picked up his dhoti and put it back and and um, he was he was holding his dhoti in that way and he kept dancing and um, ultimately you know we he went out of the room and tried to put it on straight and proper and he didn't really exactly know how to do it um, but nothing stopped him from chanting and dancing and enthusing the devotees it was just like everything else in life sometimes things don't go the way you expect them to go but you never kirtaniya sadahari you never stop chanting you never stop serving you never stop inspiring others and that was a beautiful lesson that we learned from him on that day hi <laughs> oh yes that would definitely have been a sight to see <laughs> Um, all right, so we have another question about how uh, Bhaktichirtha Swami would write letters to Srila Prabhupada every day. He also emphasized his disciples uh, to write letters to him daily. Uh, do you recommend this practice for all devotees in ISKCON? How do we strengthen our faith in the, in the spiritual master that is receiving uh, what we're writing? It was a personal practice that he felt a calling to do. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful expression of his love and devotion to Srila Prabhupada. He really wanted to feel totally accountable to Srila Prabhupada every day. Um, Srila Prabhupada would sometimes say that in, in temples in India, um, every day the pujaris or the leaders of the temple come before the deities and give a report of what happened that day in the temple. So, you know, that, that's a traditional principle. And, you know, Srila Prabhupada didn't tell us we should do it. And... Um, you know, some devotees feel the calling to do it, and Bhakti Tirtha Swami is one of the only devotees I know who actually every day wrote a letter to Srila Prabhupada, and it was a very sacred, important part of his life, such a deep connection to his life. And if, if, if Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, if, if he asked his disciples to do that, then please take it very, very seriously. It's a beautiful offering. Thank you. We have some uh, questions about Mahamuni Prabhu in Gita Nagri and a wonderful pastime that occurred there and how it connected to the uh, library party. 
we would love to hear your insight. Can you ask that question again? Sure. During the uh, last days uh, in Gita Nagri, uh, Mahamuni Prabhu came, and there was a special pastime that occurred there, and many people felt that it was attributed to uh, Maharaj possibly getting revenge <laughs> from the library Sankirtan uh, party days. Do you remember? Oh, yes. Not <laughs> only do I remember, but I cannot forget. Um, Mahamuni Prabhu is one of the most wonderful devotees. Such a god, dear god brother and dear friend. I haven't seen him in several years and I really miss him. Um, I was, it was actually Mahamuni Prabhu and myself, we, we were together at New Vrindavan during the Festival of Inspiration when I spoke to Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj and he asked me to to come to be with him. Um, so Mahamuni Prabhu and myself, just the two of us, we drove together. And we were both staying together at the house of Yadunanan Prabhu and Taruni Devi. My very dear, beloved, kind God brother and God sister. Um, and Mahamuni Prabhu and myself, um, when I wasn't with Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj, we spent much time together at Kitanagari. And um, he was staying also in the same house. So one day, I asked Bhakti Tirta Maharaj if Mahamuni Prabhu could come and visit him because um, he was only seeing his caretakers most of the time. And Maharaj so graciously, he said, yes, I would love to see Mahamuni. So I'm, this is my recollection. He was sitting on his chair, um, Ekavir Prabhu, and Dhruva Prabhu and Ramamahurta Prabhu, they would sometimes carry Bhakti Chirta Swami Maharaj from his bed and put him on his chair. And he was sitting on his chair and Mahamuni Prabhu came to the door. And Bhakti Tirta Swami started recollecting. He was at a particular a particular place. It may have been a temple or or a book distribution party where Mahamuni Prabhu was like the temple commander and how Mahamuni Prabhu was very strict. And um, Bhakti Tirta Maharaj, with a beautiful, totally affectionate, loving smile, and his eyes glistening with happiness seeing Mahamuni Prabhu, he was describing how Mahamuni was so strict with him when he was a new devotee. And, and Mahamuni Prabhu started apologizing for something that happened so many years before. And 
Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj made a fist and said, Mahamuni Prabhu, I'm going to punch you in the jaw. And it was completely a joke, we thought. So some days later, um, at the Institute House, where Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj was living, um, that one incredible devotee from Cleveland, Agni Hotra Devi, she was cooking for Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. And um, what happened is I was in his room for about an hour or two, and Mahamuni Prabhu came to pick me up at the Institute House. No, I'm sorry, he didn't come and pick me up. I had, the van was just outside. So what happened is Mahamuni was back at Taruni and Yarunanan Prabhu's house. And I was coming out and Agnihotra was telling me that I must eat this soul food that she had prepared for Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj. And she was just so happy that Bhakti Tirtha Swami and Maharaj enjoyed it so much. And she was giving me the recipes with so much, um, so much volume and devotion. And she was telling me what was in these, if I remember they were, they were curd steaks cooked in hickory sauce. And so, you know, she put them in a box and I took them back and Mahamuni was there. And I said, this is Agnihotra gave this. This is Bhakti Tirtha Maharaja's Maha Maha Prasad. It's curd steaks with hickory sauce. And we ate it together, sitting at the table of that wonderful home. And then we both went to take rest. And he was sleeping in a small room, and I was in another. And the next morning, I saw him, and his whole jaw was swollen. His whole face was swollen. And he was in so much pain. And, and I said, what happened? And Mahamuni Prabhu, <laughs> with all seriousness, he said over and over again, he did it. He did it. And I said, who did what? And Mahamuni said, he did it. He actually did it. He did what he said he was going to do. And I said, what? Who did what? He said, Bhakti Tirta Maharaj hit me in the jaw. And he said, I couldn't sleep all night. I was in so much pain. And I said, well, I don't understand. You know, he's there. You're here. He said, his Maha Maha Prasad, the hickory sauce. He said, I think it went into my tooth and it made my whole jaw swollen and full of pain. And even though he was, he was actually suffering, it was too much for me. I started to laugh. 
And even though he was suffering, he started to laugh. And we were both practically rolling on the floor laughing. And then I went and I told Bhakti Tirta Swami about what happened. In fact, that morning, that same morning that he did that, I was giving Srimad Bhagavatam class at Radha Dhammadar Temple. And during the class, I told everyone of how Bhakti Tirta Maharaj, through his Maha Maha Prasad, punched Mahamuni in the jaw. And everyone was talking about it. It was just such a sweet, relishable pastime. And when I didn't tell Mahamuni Prabhu that I told anyone because he didn't come for the class. He was too tired. But then a little later in the day, everywhere he went in the community, everybody was, um, <laughs> everyone was exclaiming the great mercy he had received. And then that later that day, I took um, Mahamuni Prabhu and myself both went to visit Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj. And Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj was sitting in his chair and he was laughing. He was laughing and smiling. And as soon as Mahamuni Prabhu came into the room, <laughs> Bhakti Tirta Maharaj said, I told you I was going to punch you in the jaw. You didn't believe me. And Bhakti from Mahamuni Prabhu offered his Dandavat pranams and and just felt such such love and it was it was a very very special intimate exchange between these two wonderful God brothers and quite extraordinary as well. Wow! <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that pastime. <laughs> very very beautiful. So we have a, a few more questions. Um, as you mentioned, Srila Bhakti Chirta Swami Maharaj was not personally affected when others acted uh, negatively, uh, hateful, or disrespectfully towards him. And we know that this is because he was not acting on the platform of false ego. But for those of us like myself who are completely immersed in the false ego, how do we love and serve those in our environment who may act harshly towards us? Should we try to serve those people or create some emotional distance from them? It's a, it's a thing of time, place, and circumstance. The question is, how could I best serve? How can I best serve my guru? How could I best serve Srila Prabhupada? How can I best serve the, de the devotee community? How could I best serve Krishna in this situation? And that should be how we calculate whether we keep our distance, whether we confront Whatever the situation, our, our purpose should be how we could best serve. And it's good to consult with, with senior devotees that we trust in those situations to get um, mature guidance. But in this world, there's 
so often things to retaliate against. And if devotees are always retaliating against each other, then our community becomes a war zone. It's not a community at all anymore. So, you know, part of community is we learn to be tolerant and we learn to be forgiving and we learn to, to speak and act on a higher platform than these inevitable disputes. Unless there's some serious abuse, we have every right to protect ourselves and to, and to protect ourselves from abuse, um, whether it's emotional or whether it's physical. And we have every right to, to, to consult others in those situations. But we have to rise above this retaliatory instinctive nature to just be lashing out against each other as a general principle except for exceptional cases we should learn how to be forgiving and tolerant with each other thank you maharaj uh, how did maharaj maintain enthusiasm for bhakti and preaching throughout his life is there something specific he'd do if he ever felt completely uninspired He started every day by intensely and attentively chanting Krishna's names. He took shelter of Krishna's names. He took shelter of Kirtan. He took shelter of studying books, of speaking. He was taking shelter of the higher power of Krishna's mercy. And that example is what we must all strive to follow. We get our strength from Harikata, from Harikirtan, from satsang, association with devotees. And I remember Srila Prabhupada once spoke in a temple room and I happened to be present that day. He was looking at the deities and he said, in our path of Krishna consciousness, there's Pancharatrika Vidhi and there's Bhagavad Dharma. Bhagavad Dharma is associating in, in the association of devotees to sincerely take shelter of Krishna through hearing and chanting. And Pancharatrika Vidhi is Seva. Save it to the deities. Save it to the mission too. He said, if you are not in the association of devotees, striving to become deeply absorbed and taking shelter of Krishna's names and Krishna's teachings and Krishna's pastimes, through kirtan, through kata, through japa, then the day will come when you will think, why has my guru left me with the burden of these deities? Or in this sense, we can also extend it. Why has he left me with the burden of this community or this mission? Hearing and chanting Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami 
says is like the nourishing food that we need to take to have spiritual strength. Satsang and sadhana. These two principles of association with, with, with inspiring devotees and hearing and chanting ourselves and in the association of those devotees is what gives us the spiritual strength, gives us a mercy that's beyond our own abilities to actually remain enthusiastic and remain dedicated to, to our devotional service and to find happiness in life in Krishna's shelter, even when we have to travel through very difficult circumstances and, and very complicated situations. Many of you have seen Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj, how he would chant Japa and how he would take shelter of Krishna in kirtans and how he would preach the holy names and how he would hear about Krishna. This is the very foundational principle that Srila Prabhupada gave him and gave all of us. Does that answer the question? Yes, Maharaj, thank you so much. We have another question on how to develop a personal connection with the spiritual master when, they, when we are no longer able to interact with them. By interacting. Love and separation is the most important principle that Lord Chaitanya in his disciplic succession has taught us. to loving service in separation. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he wrote on Haridas Thakur Samadhi, he reasons ill who say that Vaishnavas die when thou art living still in sound. Vaishnavas die to live and live to spread the holy name around. Srila Prabhupada taught us that wherever we're trying to serve him, wherever we're trying to please him, wherever we're remembering him, wherever we're reading his books, wherever we're trying to engage in his service, he is in fact with us. Because the association of a great Vaishnav is not limited to the Vapu. Srila Prabhupada put more emphasis on Vani than Vapu. The Vani is the sound vibration, the words, the spirit of the mission of our spiritual masters. And that's beyond time. It's beyond space. Vapu is the temporary blessing that we receive through the physical association. Srila Prabhupada explained how when 
we read Bhagavad Gita with a eager and sincere heart, Krishna is directly speaking to us as he spoke to Arjuna. There's really no difference. Every time we pick up Srila Prabhupada's books, every time we pick up Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaja's books, when we hear those words with a sincere heart, in fact, we, we are more in their presence than when the physical form was before us. It's a matter of sincerity. Service and separation and love and separation is the most important way of cultivating our relationship with our gurus and with Krishna. And that's accessible to us and available to us anytime. When we're, when we're following the, when we're hearing the instructions and striving to follow the instructions in a mood of service, then our guru is with us. And Krishna is pleased. And nothing can stand between us if we have that sincerity of heart. Hi Maharaj. We have one more question and then we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time. Um, regards uh, from South America. My husband met Bhaktivedanta Swami when he was a teenager here and gave him a lot of faith in the holy name. Our question is, what is the key to build successful spiritual communities according to Bhaktivedanta Swami and yourself? To actually and honestly put Krishna in the center. Srila Prabhupada gave the analogy that when you throw a stone in a pond of water, circles expand from that center point. If we throw several stones in the same place, all of the circles expand harmoniously. But if we throw the stones in different places, then the circles collide. So Krishna consciousness means putting Krishna in the center. Because we all have our egos. We all have false egos. We all have our conditionings, our natures, our tendencies, our habits. And on this level, as long as there's selfishness of putting my desires, my expectations in the center, then it's just a matter of time till there's collisions. Whether, there's a, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in among friends, within a temple, within a community. It's inevitable. 
we see what's happening in the world. People are thinking they're a particular color, they're a particular race, they're a particular um, religion, they're a particular nationality, they're particular social status, and they're putting themselves, I and mine, in the center. And there's naturally so much egoism, such a pathetic state to try to defend that I'm better than you. The whole spiritual principle is the opposite. Gopi Bharatur Putakamalayora Dasa 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 Anudas. That I'm the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. In how I serve you, and how I tolerate you, and how I forgive you, and how I try to uplift you. This is how I'm putting Krishna in the center. And as I said, we should not tolerate um, abuse, but in ordinary situations, we must learn Lord Chaitanya emphasized this verse as crucial, critical, and inseparable from our spiritual progress. To strive to be humble like a blade of grass, tolerant and forgiving like a tree, eager to offer all respect to others and expect none in return. In this way, Krishna will be pleased to reveal himself within our hearts. This is the process of putting Krishna in the center of our lives. And when we put Krishna in the center of our own life, then Krishna is in the center of our interactions in our, in our communities. How many times in, in, in Srila Prabhupada's books and lectures did he cite this verse? Trinata Bisunichena. How many times did Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and Bhakti Vinod Thakur and the Goswamis cite this principle? It's not just something that we should theoretically memorize. It's, it's the standard we should be striving for. And it's something that in whatever our situation, we honestly, earnestly, and sincerely try to apply it, especially in our interrelationships with other devotees. Srila Prabhupada emphasized it. His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj personified it and emphasized it. And when devotees take this seriously, then naturally, it's not easy. If it was easy, it wouldn't be a great thing to do it. But to, to follow this verse of Trinata Pisunichena is, is the greatest thing in the eyes of Krishna. But that means it's not going to be easy. It means that making my guru happy by being the servant of the servant is what my life is about. And when we do that, then we actually become an instrument of our Guru and Krishna's mercy, grace, and compassion. 
and there is no higher treasure or wealth in all of creation than having that opportunity. I am feeling so grateful. Um, His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj, his mercy, his kindness upon me um, is something that is ever fresh and alive when I remember him. In fact, in separation, Krishna gives me an even deeper ability to appreciate. And because each and every one of you, those who love him and who he loves, um, because of your wonderful connection, I feel so much of his blessings and his love through you. For this, I wish to congratulate you and I wish to thank you. We definitely want to thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for inspiring us, reminding us of Bhakti Tirta Swami's legacy in dynamic ways, in the ways that, you know, he would live what he was saying, the standards that he was preaching, talking about basically chant the holy names, do not find fault in others, and trying to create these beautiful, wonderful, dynamic, loving, spiritual communities. So thank you so much for taking time. Can I ask one favor? Sure. <laughs> I would like to see who's on the screen because I have, I've been looking at the camera this, this oh. whole time. If I could have just about a minute just to look through, please, everyone turn on your screens so I can see you and please don't go away yet. And um, what we could do is after about a minute, I'll come back and we could have a little kirtan. Die. <laughs> Love that idea. This is incredible. If I say every name, I'll, it will take forever. <laughs> Sing Bhuta Bhavan Thru, Hare Krishna, <laughs> London. Amazing. Hare Kirtan Prabhu and Vrindavaneshwari. Are you in Mayapur? Hare Krishna. <laughs> I'm seeing you. I'm not going to say too many more names because then I won't, I won't be able to say everyone's name. But by saying Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj Ki Jai, I'm saying all of your names simultaneously. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Jai, now we're going to turn it over to Chris, uh, Chitty Shakti. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Not yet. Like now we're mixing each other up. <laughs> and uh, we're going to let you take a break, Maharaj, and we look forward to you coming back and definitely look forward to your kirtan. <laughs> so. Maharaj, I'll be just two minutes and then we'll uh, move into your kirtan. So actually, before I move into um, thank yous and announcements, just again, on behalf of the entire God family and everybody else who's on this call, because actually... Um, we have got so many cousins, God cousins, extended family, blended family, whatever you want to call it. We've got so many devotees 
who, because of um, personalities like yourself, Marge, who've taken us in, uh, you know, into their families since Gurudev left, we just want to say a big thank you to you. Uh, you know, I remember when, when you mentioned, when you opened the class, you said Gurudev loved to hear Krishna's pastimes. And uh, I remember when he was in his final months, when he asked for classes and lectures about Krishna's pastimes, the person he was most enthusiastic to hear from was yourself. And I still remember he asked to have all of your lectures from all of your yatras uh, delivered to uh, Gita Nagri so that he could listen to them. And in those days, they were on discs. So we had loads and loads of discs arrived. Your uh, disciples were so kind. And uh, so we're so grateful to you for taking us into your family. And, uh, you know, in terms of our families, I feel like we have one massive family. I know most of, and many of our God family feel like that. This program could not have happened without the endeavors of the extended family or disciples have made this available on YouTube. Some of them have helped with the artwork, like Jagannath Sharan Prabhu, Prabhupada We've also got Dhruva Maharaj Prabhu, who's a Jaraswami disciple who kind of conceived of this idea to bring the whole planet together and have an international get together. We have Kundalata and Parvesh who are developing this vault of Vaisdhirata Maharaj's teachings. So personalities like yourself, you've opened your heart to us so much that, you know, even in Gurudev's absence, we don't feel his absence. You had all of us in tears. Um, and it was, I could see Krishna Shakti was struggling to ask you the questions in the beginning because he was so moved. But we just wanted to really express our gratitude to you. Thank you so, so much for always being there in spirit and physically and with your words in every way possible. We're so grateful. Um, so I have a few announcements just for devotees who don't know. Um, we have lots of devotees and we have over 600 devotees uh, connecting with this program. And if you are interested in Pakistirata Swami's books, they're all available on Kindle and in print for delivery within a week uh, from Amazon, from whichever Amazon store you use, India, UK, America, they're all available. Uh, if you now visit our fresh updated website, btswami.com, which Nanda Sunu has been working very hard on. We have um, Marge's classes and audio books available and some photographs and videos. And also the links to all the classes from yesterday, Friday and today uh, will be available also. And my final note of gratitude on behalf of the God family is, as many of you know, we have been trying to raise funds to make an offering to His Holiness Pakistirata Swami for the 15th anniversary of his disappearance in acquiring his house, the house that he departed in, the house that Maharaj is talking about, you know, where the Mahamuni Prabhu and um, soul food pastor took place. He wrote many of his books there. Um, he touched many people's lives there. His classes still go on there, programs still go on there, and we would like to acquire it for him completely with no mortgage. And we are 80% of the way with raising funds in just two weeks. So thank you so much for those of you who have contributed. Thank you for those of you who maybe couldn't have contributed but wished us well. Those prayers and blessings mean a lot. And those of you who still want to contribute, the link is in uh, the chat room. And Marsh, thank you again for your encouragement with actually, you know, inspiring us to just do this ourselves. I remember when we first approached you about it, you know, Mother Chari Prabhu shared with us how inspired you, are, you were and how your message of encouragement that this was Gurudev giving us an opportunity to come together to serve him uh, by, uh, you know, 
connecting with his house and getting this house, this, this tirta um, that is so sacred to all of us. So thank you so much from all of us again. So I'm going to hand over back to you. You're on mute, Christian Shakti. You're on mute. Maybe you want to take a break for a second. I think you wanted to take a break first, or did you want to continue? Or did you want to do Kirtan now or in a minute? I think you wanted to take a break. I'm already so broken. We might as well have Kirtan. Um, <laughs> but please, yeah. you know, this is a wonderful opportunity to to serve and preserve the, actually these two words, serve and preserve, <laughs> the legacy of Bhakti Tirta Maharaj by contributing to, this, to the house. That is where he wrote so many of his books and the place where he did so much of his preaching and his meditation and his devotion and the place where he chose to depart from this world. You know, whoever can help to contribute to actually procuring um, that property, it, it's something very, very special. It's a wonderful blessing to have the chance to help in whatever way we can. So let us have a few minutes of kirtan in honor of His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj and in gratitude to our beloved Srila Prabhupada. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Adwaita Kadadhar Srivasadhi Gaur Bhakta Brinda. Everyone. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Hari
Okay, Maharaj, you should be able to talk now. Just as a, th a thread brings in such a beautiful way the various flowers of a garland, so the, the spirit and the will of our gurus, Srila Bhakti Tirta Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, if we keep that as like the string that we're holding on to in our life, then we can all be like a beautiful garland of devotees united for the highest principle of giving pleasure to Krishna, to the Vaishnavas, and to our gurus. This was so much the mission of Srila Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj. And it's so much, you know, determination to follow, tapasya, to put higher principles above our own. 
these are the sacred ideals that we have been given and in our love for Srila Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, let us wholeheartedly embrace these ideals. Thank you so very, very much. Hare Krishna.